Hey, welcome back to the Ascent Church Podcast. We have a great episode for you. So let's get to it. Uh, Psalm 34, if you have your Bibles, is uh, a psalm in which David writes, and he writes it at the low point of his life. Uh, When I think of David, I tend to think of David as the king of Israel, and he was the king of Israel. But before he was the king of Israel, uh, Saul wanted to kill him. And so David was on the run. David is supposed to be God's chosen man, and we see him at his low point here when he finds somebody who wants to kill him. David's only way of fighting that he can think of is not by taking a sword and being a brave warrior that kills a giant, but he literally has to pretend to be insane to get out of it. He, he, his spit's drooling down his beard. I mean, he's at the low point of his life, and he's beginning to wonder if he's going to live at all. He's beginning to wonder if God is going to fulfill the promise that he has made to him. Now, some of you have maybe been in that kind of situation before. You probably haven't acted insane to get out of losing your life, but I would imagine you begin to wonder sometimes if God's promises are true for you. You know, we, we sing songs about God being a way maker. We sing songs about God being good and working even when we don't see it and even when we don't feel it. And we might believe that mentally, but we all find ourselves in places in life where we begin to wonder if that is true. Is that actually what God is doing? And Psalm 34 gives us great encouragement as we look at this. Now, Zach's going to focus on verses uh, 1 through 10 mainly. So I just want to say a few words about the end of the psalm. Starting in verse 15, this is a promise that God gives us. It says, The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and His ears are open to their cry for help. The face of the Lord set against those who do what is evil, to remove all memory of them from the earth. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them and rescues them from all their troubles. Now, that's really good news for righteous people and really bad news for evil people. But the problem is, is I'm not sure I'm a righteous person. The problem is, is I might cry out to God and he might not hear me because, in fact, I know I am not righteous. And this is where the gospel of Jesus comes into play, friends, as we remember that we are not righteous based upon our own righteousness, but we're righteous based upon what Jesus Christ has done for us. That every promise that is true for Jesus, the only one who is righteous, is true for those of us who are baptized into him, those of us who believe in Jesus Christ. And verse 18 gives us a great encouragement for anybody who might be at that low point today. It says, the Lord is near the brokenhearted. He saves those crushed in spirit. And then verse 19, it says, one who is righteous has many adversities, but the Lord rescues him from them all. He protects all his bones and not one of them is broken. Evil brings death to the wicked and those who hate the righteous will be punished. The Lord redeems the life of his servants and all who take refuge in him will not be punished. Now, verse 20 is really interesting. It says he protects all his bones. Not one of them is broken. And this is actually what happens for David. David, although he is uh, being chased after and uh, people are trying to kill him, we know the end of the story for David is what? David is not killed. David is not even harmed. Although the world looked like it was against David, God was working in a way David could not understand. And David became the king as God said that he would. Now, David is actually just a shadow of what is to come. Because there's one who is actually righteous. David was not righteous. He had many wives. He killed people. David was was pretty messed up in a lot of different ways. He tried his best, as we all do, but he was pretty messed up. He wasn't the righteous one we were looking for. No, the righteous one, the true king of Israel would come and his name would be Jesus. And he would live a perfectly righteous life. And it looked like at the end of his life, he was getting the punishment that was only deserved for evil people. Because he died. But even in his death, we see God talking about this. How God protects his righteous ones. 
Because in John chapter 19, as Jesus is being crucified, verse 35 and 36 say this. He who saw this has testified so that you also may believe his testimony is true. And he knows he is telling the truth. Verse 36. For these things happen so that the scripture would be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken. Does that sound familiar? John is calling us back to Psalm 34. And he's saying this ultimately is for Jesus. And because it is ultimately for Jesus and we are Christians who are in Christ, guess who it is ultimately for? It's for you and I. That there might be a time in which the world is caving in around you, but we can remember that after the crucifixion was resurrection. And that even when it doesn't look like God's working in your marriage or working in your finances or working in your health, you need to understand that God is not interested in your momentary happiness, but he is infinitely interested in your eternal holiness. And because of that, we will have the promises that are in Christ. So Zach, if you would go ahead and come up. Uh, that should encourage you. And my whole goal with all this series, with all these guys preaching through the Psalms, is that you would have a bigger image of God at the end of this. That you would see God as gracious, so you wouldn't have to prove yourself. You would see God as great, so you wouldn't have to be in control. You would see God as glorious, so you wouldn't have to fear anything. And you'd see God as gracious, so you wouldn't have to prove yourself to anyone. That is ultimately the goal, to take our eyes off of ourselves and to put it on God and especially what Jesus has done through us. So I'm going to pray for Zach, and then uh, we're going to let him preach. Father God... Thank you so much for Zach. Thank you for his willingness to do this. Uh, God, I know that it can be kind of scary to see all these faces looking back at you, expecting you to have something to say. So God, I pray that you would give him something to say because we don't want to hear Zach's words. We want to hear your words. God, I pray that you would help Zach speak the truth that you want him to speak. I pray that that truth would be highlighted in our minds as hearers. That as Zach does a hard work of preaching, we would do the hard work of listening. God, we love you and we praise you. Amen. 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 Thank you. <clears throat> Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Oh, you want that Get that out of your way. Um, before I do start, I think the bigs are not in this room. I don't know if anybody doesn't know this, but the bigs are in the back, back that way, because of the tie-dye business, I believe. So I think somebody wanted me to announce that. So, like Mike said, we're in uh, the book of Psalms in chapter 34. And before I start, because I'm not going to cover the whole thing, he did an excellent job covering the end of that. I love that. Uh, I'm just going to run through this whole chapter, uh, and I'll, I'll, the thing that I really thought was amazing that I saw was the outline of how David wrote this seems to me to be a picture of discipleship. So he begins in verse, uh, see, Psalm chapter 34, verses 1 through 3, with simply praising God. He begins with uh, verse 1, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will boast in the Lord. The humble will hear and be glad. Proclaim the Lord's greatness with me. Let us exalt his name together. In verses 4 through 7, he shares some testimony. He says in verse 4, I sought the Lord and he answered me and rescued me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant with joy. Their faces will never be ashamed. This poor man cried out, and the Lord heard him and saved him from all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and rescues them. And after this brief testimony, he gives a challenge to the hearer to seek the Lord. In verse 8, he says, taste and see that the Lord is good. How happy is the person who takes refuge in him. You who are his holy ones, fear the Lord, for those who fear him lack nothing. 
Young lions lack food and go hungry, but those who seek the Lord will not lack any good thing. In verse 5, he continues to articulate, I'm sorry, number 5, he continues to articulate an accurate portrait of God. It's in verse uh, 15. I skipped a part, didn't I? After we... 8, 9, 10, young lions, like, okay. So after the challenge to seek the Lord, the fourth party teaches and gives specific instruction in how to seek the Lord, giving examples of how you fear the Lord. In verse 11, that's where I was going. Come, children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Who is someone who desires life Loving a long life to enjoy what is good. Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from deceitful speech. Turn away from evil and do what is good. Seek peace and pursue it. And after that teaching and that specific instruction, then he continues to articulate an accurate portrait of God in verse 15 through 18. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their cry for help. The face of the Lord is set against those who do what is evil to remove all memory of them from the earth. The righteous cry out and the Lord hears and rescues them from all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted. He saves those crushed in spirit. And then finally, uh, when I read from verse 19 on, with this idea of discipleship, it brought to mind when, when someone moves toward God and and tries to seek God and then fails, we are still to take refuge in him. In verse 19, it says, One who is righteous has many adversities, but the Lord rescues him from them all. He protects all his bones. Not one of them is broken. Evil brings death to the wicked, and those who hate the righteous will be punished. The Lord redeems the life of his servants And all who take refuge in him will not be punished. We know that because we know there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much, God, for your word. I thank you for this message from David. Father, I thank you for preserving your word through the years, God, through the centuries. God, I thank you for this opportunity to come together to hear your word. I thank you for the freedom to, to look over these, this history, these stories of these people who were longing for you. God, I thank you for revealing your heart and your mind to us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. So back in verse 1, David tells us when to praise. And he talks about from what inward posture to praise. And he tells us to do this together in community. So he says, I will bless the Lord at all times. I will all uh, his praise will always be on my lips. And then he tells us to do this personally to humbly boast about God. So when when we praise, we're, we're boasting not about what we can do or what we can bring to the table. We don't want to go tell God how we can help him. But we boast in who God is and what God has done for us. I will boast in the Lord, 
The humble will hear and be glad. And then finally, in community, he wants us to proclaim and exalt him. Uh, Proclaim the Lord's greatness with me. Let us exalt his name together. Uh, One of the ways, one of my favorite ways to do this is is through prayer. We here at Ascent have a prayer group that meets every week after the service, usually right back in the other room there. Uh, And I have a prayer notebook I've been trying to record these requests and praises in. I really love this notebook. It's perfect. It's divided right down the middle. So I've, I've tried to reserve one side of this notebook for the prayer requests that people have. And then the other side, I try to reserve that for only the praise and, and the answered prayer that we have to thank God for. And the hardest part for me usually is following that request from that first time that somebody says, hey, we really need pray, prayer for this, to, the hard part for me is to track that from there to the praising of God for the answered prayer. It's easy to miss the praise part through these requests. And a lot of times that request side then can become a little bit overwhelming sometimes. When your praise side just has a couple of things and the left side tries to spill over onto it. And it seems like these requests sometimes when there's so many different things, the problems that we have that we want to take to God can seem to kind of magnify and get bigger and bigger and bigger over time. And when there's no praise on the other side, they can push the praise all the way out to the point where it's easy to start questioning if God has heard my prayers And it's easy to start wondering if God is going to do anything about the prayers that we've asked him about. Or if he can do anything. And it's very easy, even trying, seeking toward God to get to a place where you feel like you've done these things and you've prayed these prayers. And you've done all that you know to do. And it starts to look like maybe that hope is not there. The good news is that this works both ways. When we praise and worship God for who he is, when we pay close attention and focus on what he does, then God gets bigger and bigger and is magnified. And then there's a reverse feedback loop. And as God gets bigger and bigger and bigger, these problems get smaller and smaller and smaller. So I try to keep an eye on this ratio between the requests and the praise because I have struggled with thankfulness. And it seems like with the more chaos there is in my life, the less thankfulness there is. All of our girls this year are going to be attending different schools. We're going all different directions. Public schools, home school. <laughs> uh, it's probably not a good idea. And yeah, we've probably lost our minds. But it seems to be the best educational fit for each of them currently. We'd really love to maybe find a house and move and get to a place where there's one school, there's one church family that we can live near and not have to travel and go every direction. And it would be really awesome if we had jobs in that place where we didn't have to travel too far. So we could really kind of consolidate and simplify our lives. My problem, you know, turns out to be money, usually, than the job. Like, what kind of job 
what career do you look for? What does that trajectory look like? How do you do that with two jobs? What house do you find? Where's the financing going to come from? And it, <clears throat> it's more natural for me to worry about how I'm supposed to provide for my family and how I'm supposed to be leading and how I'm supposed to have it all figured out, and I don't. It's easier to do that than it is to be thankful for school options. <laughs> the freedom to choose one. Thankful for our strong-willed, soft-hearted, loving children. Thankful for my beautiful wife, my partner in life. And for God's provision for everything we need. David says he'll praise the Lord at all times, always. And that's something that I'm working toward, but I have a long way to go. <laughs> um, we tried to pray before meals for the longest time. Worst time to try to pray, let me tell you. Right after somebody's been cooking for an hour and a half, everybody's hangry. The dishes are piled up and we haven't even begun to talk about that yet. <laughs> to call a time out, let's pray. That's something that my family is going to have to work up to. So lately what I've done is I have set an alarm on my cell phone that goes off every day at 1.27 p.m. And yes, that is oddly specific. That's because in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 1, verses 27 and 28, there's a, a woman named Hannah who was the mother of a man called Samuel. Uh, in verse 27, she says, I prayed for this boy, and since the Lord gave me what I asked him for, I now give the boy to the Lord for as long as he lives, he is given to the Lord. So every day at 127, my phone dings and it says, give them back to God. So that's my daily reminder to say, listen, Zach, these girls are a gift from God that he has given me just like everything else I have. And that's my cue to sit down and remember that God has this. Everything is from God, and my job is to honor Him with what I can do and to give that back to Him. Amen. We're also to praise in community. So at my house in the evenings before we all go to bed, my wife and the girls and I meet in the living room at the couch, and we all take turns praying just before we go to bed. <clears throat> and it turns out, and if you just take the time to sit down and do that once in a while, to hear those girls, what's on their hearts, how they praise God, is an absolute blessing. No matter how hard my day's been. <laughs> so David wrote this psalm about the time he was on the run from Saul, like Blake was telling us earlier. He was hiding out among the Philistines, you know, where Goliath was from. Uh, and he'd been dodging assassins and hiding in dark caves, pretending to be insane just so that he could stay alive. And in verse 4, we pick up with a little bit of testimony from David. This is what he had to say. Uh, Psalm 34, verse 4, I sought the Lord and he answered me and rescued me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant with joy. Their faces will never be ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him from all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and rescues them. 
Now I have to ask myself when I read through this, is this what I would be writing with my life on the line, (laughs) running and hiding from people who are coming to try to kill me? See, these are not my financial and my planning problems that David was facing. But the thing is, David can write this because of who God is. Even in the midst of these dire circumstances, he knows that God is so great and so sovereign and so in control that David can let God be God and let God be in control. He knows that God is so glorious that he can only be victorious. And when God is victorious, David ultimately has nothing left to fear. He knows that God is so gracious and so that so gracious that there is no shortcoming, there's no misstep. There's no mistake that David could possibly make to cause him to live in shame before God because God's grace is always bigger. And he knows that God is so good that there's no reason to look to anywhere or to anything or to anyone else for anything better. God showed us his greatness, his glory, his goodness, and his grace when he came to us in the person of Jesus Christ Jesus lived a perfect, perfectly good life. And his plan was so great that this was all on him to make a way for us. Because nothing in our power could possibly be great enough to fulfill his purposes. And his victory was so glorious and so complete that there's nothing left for us to fear. His grace is so infinitely overwhelming and overcoming that we have nothing to prove. And there's no to-do list. There's no word. There's no action or deed. There's no price tag. His grace is sufficient. So what does that mean for you and me? God has loved the greatest love and he has sacrificed the greatest sacrifice for you. And for me. And he only wants our love in return. He's wooing us to him. In verse 8, it says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. How happy is the person who takes refuge in him? He's asking us to try him out. Try God out because God is Still to this day, this is not just back in David's time. This is not just in the day of Jesus. But right now today, he is still great and in control. So you don't have to be. He is still glorious and reigns and rules over everything. And there is nothing to fear. God is still gracious. So you don't have to prove yourself that you're worthy. The fact is you're only worthy. Because his love makes you worthy. God is so good and still good that he's still the greatest and best thing that could exist. And all good things are still from him. He wants you to seek him. He wants you to see him for who he really is accurately. And he wants you to, to humbly seek him, to pursue him, and to love him because he is worthy of all our praise. Let's pray. Holy Father, God, you are worthy of all our praise, 
all the praise we can give you and so much more. God, thank you for showing us your love through the sacrifice of your only son, Jesus, so that we could live an everlasting life with you. Father, we praise you for your greatness, for your sovereign reign over all creation. God, your goodness is overwhelming and your grace is hardly conceivable. God, we thank you for the opportunity today to live out our thankfulness to you for your glory. It's in Jesus Christ's name that I pray. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the Ascent Church podcast. You can check in with us on social media at My Ascent Church. New episodes each week. Thanks. Thanks.